Okay, welcome to the John Riley Project. It's December 9th. It's a Friday. We're talking San Diego news. We're going to get into some of the top headlines that are going on around San Diego County, some of the stories that caught my attention. I'm interested in your thoughts and comments. We're going to be breaking down five different stories that are happening in and around San Diego County. You can participate. Just get on board. You can join us in the community forum. Get on board with our live stream on both Facebook and YouTube, and you can enter in your comments there. All right, let's get started. The first story is in National City, and they're talking about putting in a cannabis lounge. This has already been approved by the city council. This looks like a really interesting product. You know, we're in the uh, project. We're in the 21st century, and this is a a, a cannabis lounge, a place where people can hang out and smoke pot and do a lot of other things there. So this was started by two entrepreneurs that are in the cannabis industry. They're partnering with the Sequan. Um, Tribal Development Council, who happens to own the property. They're going in business together. And this is basically a place in National City where people are going to be able to hang out, you know, consume cannabis products. I, I assume it's smoking, it's it's edibles, it's a lot of other things, and they can consume them on site. And And this is going to be kind of like a venue. And, you know, they're going to have food there. Apparently, they're going to have food trucks at first. But, you know, of course, if it's a cannabis lounge, you got to have food there. So they're going to have some cool stuff going on. It's going to have a lot of music and art kind of influenced and and it's going to be kind of a neat gathering place. I just think this is really kind of interesting. Apparently, it's the first cannabis lounge in San Diego County. In fact, the first one south of Los Angeles. So you can imagine a lot of the neighbors and everyone are kind of up, you know, up in a roar there. But the the leaders in San, in National City have have stated that this could be a way to kind of provide an alternative to the underground drug market, which I think is a good thing, also to boost the local economy. So there are some interesting upsides to this, but of course, the neighbors, their hair is on fire. They're getting the city to implement a lot of these rules. Now, on one level, this is basically just like a bar, like where people would go and have a beer you know, instead, they're going to go there and like consume some gummies. You know, it's going to be like a bar with music, with art, with sort of a social atmosphere. Um, but now they're going to make it so when people show up at this at this cannabis lounge in National City, they're going to end up having to sign a form just to get in and to acknowledge the rules and regulations. I mean, imagine if they did that at a bar or a restaurant, but they put these extra rules on this, even though cannabis is so much safer than alcohol. Um, and they're going to provide shuttle. You know, they're going to have signage there not to upset the neighbors that are nearby. And they've got a special rule to prevent the odor from drifting out of the building and upsetting the neighbors nearby. So it's something. Now, the city of National City sees this obviously as a cash cow. They think they can make $500,000 a year from this because they essentially are getting 5% of the till. <laughs> you know, 5% quote contribution comes from the owners of this cannabis lounge in National City. Um, it's not unlike kind of a mafia thing, you know, where they get a percentage of the till. And this is probably in addition to any other sales taxes. And and other kinds of permitting fees and other things that are uh, that are standard operating procedure for all other businesses. This one gets an additional five percent. So to me, this is an interesting story going on in National City. What do you think? Join us in the live stream. Type in your thoughts and comments um, on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll read it um, in the community forum at the end of this podcast. Okay, I got four more segments to get into, and you know. My podcast, I, I generally have done interviews. In fact, on Tuesday night, earlier this week, we had Ted Leitner here in the podcast studio. Wow, what a what a great show that was. Uh, learned all about Ted and his career and a lot of the things he's been doing. Um, but when I'm doing my John Riley Project podcast, I'm trying to have a lot more now, maybe a little more focus on local news. I think this is an area where there's just really isn't a lot of coverage. I think this is something where we can provide some value and then we can get you involved in the community forum so you can share your thoughts and comments. And so we invite that. Um, all right. The next topic on the table, the next city we want to visit is both Carlsbad and UC San Diego, my alma mater, UCSD. These two locations are in the news, and it's all part of this project to 
essentially transform the way we deal with battery technology. Um, this is a really interesting and exciting project. And I just want to kind of share a few of the highlights on this. So, you know, the Biden administration passed the infrastructure plan and, you know, millions, if not billions of dollars are being spread around the economy um, to build up infrastructure. And we can debate the value of that plan separately, but it is the reality. Money is flowing in. And San Diego County, there are two organizations that are getting bucket loads of cash to be able to do this sort of investigation on battery recycling. So at UCSD, they're developing technology to recycle the lithium ion batteries. Um, and, you know, these are batteries that we have in our in our phones right here and our computers and our cameras and in the electric vehicles that I drive. You know, we, we often talk about how my family, we have two EVs powered by solar pa- panels on the roof of our house. So we're big proponents of, of electric vehicles. But this is really interesting to me because the battery technology industry is just moving at a very rapid pace. And one of the common criticisms to electric vehicles is, oh my God, the, they're going to be terrible for the environment. These, these batteries are going to be dumped in landfills. And, you know, what, 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 are, if you really want to address environmentalism, this is the wrong way to go. But the fact is, is that as this technology continues to progress, they're figuring out how to handle battery recycling. And that's what this is all about. So at UCSD, they're developing technology that takes the critical cathode material and other scraps from these spent batteries and returns them to the production line for brand new battery assembly. So it's a legit like recycling process. And so this is going to minimize landfill. It's going to make it a lot cleaner, a lot safer. And it's going to, you know, there's only so much lithium, right? So this is going to be able to repurpose a lot of that and make battery technology more widespread and probably a lot cheaper, which is going to be another benefit to the market. Now, meanwhile, in Carlsbad, there's a company called Smartville. And they got, you know, UCSD got $10 million. Smartville got um $6 million from the Department of Energy. And what they're doing is a little different. So they're they're looking at these electric vehicles that, you know, when they have reached the conclusion of their life, they still have a battery in there, right? And the battery has declined in, in capacity, you know, just like your cell phone battery, over time, the battery, the capacity on that battery kind of drains, it fatigues. The same thing happens with these cars. So what are they going to do with those batteries? Well, you can't really put them in another car because that's going to decrease the range of those cars and just really make it an unattractive solution for for car drivers. So they're taking these car batteries and now they're repurposing them for for energy storage on the grid. To me this is pretty exciting because the average battery when apparently when it, when an EV is done using it it still has 80% of the capacity. So they're going to redeploy these batteries into the grid and think about this when you have energy that is being powered by solar that is coming off of solar panels during the day we're able to power our house, power our computers, in some cases power our cars off of the um, the photons that come from the sun and hit our solar panels. But at nighttime, the amount of solar energy being projected is virtually nil. And so a lot of times at night, people will typically you know pull energy off the grid. Now, some homes are putting in these Tesla power walls. So the energy is stored in a battery unit in a house. And then in the evening, that's what powers the inside of the house and the inside of the building, if it happens to be commercial property. So there's a lot more need for a lot of battery storage as we look to, you know, examine a lot of alternative energy sources and to make it a lot more practical, a lot more useful um, for people in our community. So I don't know, I think this is pretty exciting. Um, you know, again, I, I can debate the, the infrastructure bill with Biden uh, and what he put on the table. But if there's money on the table, it's great to see some of it come here to San Diego. The innovation that's happening here in San Diego is positive. It's providing jobs. And at the same time, it's going to make our energy uh, situation a lot better. So all good. 
Okay, let's um, let's move on down the line here, and let's go kind of. You know, I broadcast here from the city of Poway, the city of the country, and our next door neighbor is the city of Escondido. So let's go visit Escondido, and a new mayor has been elected. Now you're you're thinking, really, a new mayor was elected? Didn't we have elections a month ago? And we did. Um, the The elections were what November eighth, I think it was, and so. Uh, those were the unofficial results that came the day of or the day after. And, but, you know, the registrar of voters is continuing to count and they get to a point where they have to eventually certify the elections. And apparently that just happened yesterday or maybe it was the day before. And so now you're starting to see news stories about so-and-so is officially now in the seat of, you know, whatever particular race they ran. But there is one race that I thought was really interesting to me, and that was in Escondido for mayor. And as a young man, Dane White, only 33 years old, was elected the mayor of Escondido. And what Escondido is what probably the third or fourth largest city in the county. So um, this is a pretty big deal for a young man to be a mayor of such a large city. Um, and he, he has a really interesting track record because he was a foster care kid. He was eventually homeless. Then he, you know, went into to the construction industry. Then started his own uh, business. You know, it was essentially it was an entrepreneur. Then he went on to be on the school board in Escondido, and then he ran for mayor, and he won, and he knocked out the incumbent. And you look at this guy's, uh, you know, Dane White's uh, platform policies. It's very, you know, kind of democratic, which is interesting because Escondido has generally been one of the last bastions of Republican leadership in the county. And, you know, little by little in San Diego, Republicans in mayoral seats and and majorities of Republicans on city councils, that's been eroding. It's been chipping away. There are very few locales where Republicans are still in leadership. I think, gosh, we had Amita Saravala on the podcast. He was the president of the Poway Democratic Club. He said it was only Coronado, Santee, and Poway that had Republican mayors. So the Republican mayor ousted in Escondido, Dane White put in place, and you know, his objective, he says he wants to focus on homelessness, of which he was homeless. So you figure he's got some pretty good insight there. He wants to focus on crime prevention and helping boost small businesses. Those seem like pretty logical things for a mayor to focus on, because in a lot of ways, they're all kind of interrelated. Homelessness, crime prevention, small business, and boosting small business. So I don't think this is pretty exciting. Um, my mother actually lives in Escondido in an independent living facility. And so I drive through town all the time. And, you know, there is a, a great degree of homelessness in Escondido, but frankly, there's homelessness all throughout San Diego County. So it's, it's a major challenge. It's good to see um, political candidates that are looking for ways to address it. I think there's a lot of potential solutions, some I like, some I don't like, um, but I think it's terrific. Do we see really young people taking the reins, you know, young people that see problems in their community and decide they want to jump in and solve the problem? Uh, So I applaud um, all of these candidates, you know, for their success, particularly the young candidates for stepping in. And here, Dane White, the youngest mayor in Escondido history, 33 years of age. That's pretty special. Okay, um, let's move on. And, you know, these uh, these podcast episodes where I'm covering sort of the hot topics around San Diego County, I'm trying to restructure these these podcasts, you know. So I, I'm, I have often done sort of these long-form interviews, long-form conversations, and more deep dives into t- particular issues during the day. But now I'm thinking if I can do these news updates – you know, multiple times a week, you know, ideally around 12 noon. Um, I think this would be great content to share, things that we can discuss and, and, and comment on in the community forum. And I invite you to do that during the live stream. And then I'm going to still save the evening podcast so that when we have guests or when we have special things that we want to explore, where it's really more the, of a longer form co- uh, topic rather than some of these quick hitting issues. Um, but let's move on. I got a couple more that I want to cover uh, before we get into um, the community forum. And the second or the fourth topic on my list is in Mira Mesa. And this is an unbelievable plan. Maybe you've seen the news. This has been out on the news for a few weeks now. 
Mira Mesa, you know, one of the more dense locations in San Diego, one of the more highly populated areas of San Diego, has now created a new plan to double the housing in Mira Mesa. Like you're thinking, wow, I mean, that Mira Mesa already has a tremendous amount of people, a tremendous amount of homes. And if you've driven through Mira Mesa, oh my gosh, a tremendous amount of traffic. And now they want to double the housing. I mean, this is a pretty bold move here. So right now, Mira Mesa has just over 26,000 homes. They want to expand that to 58,000 homes. And that's sort of the maximum. It'll kind of depend what how this thing rolls out. But this is kind of part of a future plan for zip code 92126. The population now is 78,000. They want to almost double it to 143,000 people in Mira Mesa. I mean, wow. So all all of this is kind of part of a plan to kind of transform the community from a car-dependent neighborhood. And gosh, it's car-dependent. You ever been out there on Mira Mesa Boulevard and Camino Ruiz or Mira Mesa Boulevard and Black Mountain Road? I mean, that's just a that's a traffic cluster out there. Um, I remember having to drive from Poway all the way out to uh, to Sorrento Mesa for one of my old jobs about 20 years ago, and that was a grind. And and that road just was just really congested. It always bottlenecked. It was difficult. But Mira Mesa has always been this sort of city of strip malls, right? Well, they're talking about radically transforming this um, into multiple urban villages that would be scattered about in the Mira Mesa area and maybe even parts of Miramar. Um, to me, this is just really interesting because this is all part of the radical changes in housing that are going on throughout San Diego County. You know, I've talked a lot about this extensively here in Poway, and we've had all the Poway political candidates that came in here, and we had the long-form conversations, and the construction of new housing in Poway is a major issue, um, and there's major construction going on in Rancho Penasquitos at the Merge 56 project. Um, there is um, housing projects that are going up in Imperial Beach in La Mesa, in Oceanside, which you're about to comment on in just a moment. Um, There's been a lot of housing that's been developed in Escondido. I mean, this is all part of a a radical change that's going on, not just in San Diego County, but really all across America and particularly in California. There's a serious housing crisis in California. City leaders are beginning, beginning to address it, and it's ruffling a lot of feathers, you know, people that don't like change. Now, the vision for Mira Mesa that they have planned, this sort of 20-year outlook, is that they want roughly 50% of the transportation to be by walking, by biking, or by mass transit. So this is all part of a climate change plan that a lot of cities have implemented around San Diego County. You know, my hometown of Poway is one of the cities that hasn't done that. But Mira Mesa, in their sort of their future view of how they're planning their community, they're they're considering these things to try to get more walking, more biking, more more mass transit. And I think as San Diego becomes to be more of an urban city rather than a suburban sprawl city, that's going to be a necessary component of this. I mean, if you look around America. A lot of cities that are very urban have a lot more density, have a lot more walkable communities, and have a lot more public transportation. So you can see kind of where this is going. Um, Now, when you think of Mira Mesa, it's not just the – uh, the residential sort of strip mall area of 92126. It also encompasses Sereno Valley and Sereno Mesa and even parts of Miramar Road. And so on the western end of Mira Mesa Boulevard is, you know, really where a lot of major corporations, I think isn't Qualcomm headquartered out there, they're going to still have what they call these innovation districts, but they're going to actually rezone some of that to integrate more housing over there as well. Um, so this to me is very, very intriguing. And guess what? They, they even want to are entertaining the idea of a skyway, essentially one of those um, – how do I call it? It's like, a, like the ski lift, the gondola that goes from one part of Mira Mesa to another, kind of like what we see in the zoo and in SeaWorld. 
and in Disneyland. Those kinds of things are being proposed as potential ideas for Mira, for Mira Mesa. That's pretty crazy. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, kind of some innovative things to, you know, bring the whole community to life. Um, but ultimately, they want to break up this notion of car-centric, they call it super blocks. And last night, you know, I was, I was online, and one of the guys that I like to follow on Twitter goes by the handle, the Poway, was it Poway Urbanist, I think. And it's a, I don't even know who this gentleman's name is. He lives in my hometown of Poway, but he's like really focused on, on city planning, urban planning, and making cities workable. And he shared a video about this idea of what he called strodes. And that sounds like a weird name. It's like a merger of the word street and the word road. And this idea of strodes are this category of making roads like what we see in Mira Mesa, like what we're seeing in parts of Poway, like we really are seeing all throughout America. Because roads are intended to be major thoroughfares with minimal cross traffic, almost like tiny highways that really get you from one location to another relatively quickly at relatively high speeds. And then there might be roundabouts every so many miles to provide options to exit. But meanwhile, there are streets and streets are meant to be city streets that are in more dense areas that have a lot of driveways and side streets and and people drive a lot more slowly. But in America, in San Diego, and especially in Mira, Mira Mesa, they have blended the two. Mira Mesa Boulevard, for some people, like when I used to work in Serrano Mesa, was a road. It was a boulevard, but it, I thought of it as a road. It was a way for me to get from one place to another and kind of blow through Mira Mesa, the residential and strip mall part of Mira Mesa, to get over to where all the technology companies were. But... At the same time, you know, there are people, you know, pulling into parking lots to go to supermarkets, to, to go to restaurants, to do whatever they're doing during their normal day. And so you've got this major thoroughfare with a lot of people going in and out. It makes it a very dangerous place for cars, you know, car, a lot more likelihood of accidents. And it makes it a terrible place for pedestrians. Um, so it's interesting to me that San Diego is looking to embrace this idea of more urban villages where there can be greater opportunity for communities to build a sense of community and to build safer communities where, you know, you don't have cars blazing through your neighborhood at 35 to 45 miles an hour. And you create a more walkable, a more pedestrian-friendly, a more people-friendly environment. I, I, to me, this is intriguing, and I think this is all part of the transition of how San Diego is going to tr- move from this sort of suburban sprawl city to a collection of these individual urban, you know, urban villages. It's you know, I, I commented on one of my previous podcasts. My wife and I, we were in Toronto. We were up at the top of the the CN Tower. You know, if you ever been there, it's like the Space Needle in Seattle. And while we were up there. We saw the full sprawl of Toronto, which was – it's a huge city. I mean, I, I kind of underestimated the, the size and breadth of, of, the, of the city of Toronto. But as I looked across the city from that high vantage point, I could see various urban villages in some cases where there are high-rise buildings, where there is more dense housing in certain, certain areas of the city. And San Diego has lacked a lot of that. I mean, there hasn't been very many, let's call them, uh, you know, more vertically oriented housing. Um, we see some of it in the University Town Center area in the last 20 years. There, you'd obviously see a lot of that downtown, but a lot of that hasn't gone into many of the neighborhoods of San Diego, nor into the surrounding cities in the county. That's starting to happen now as Cities have to add more housing. There's not enough dirt. There's not enough places to build. So now, they're rather than going horizontal to find open territory, because a lot of that is shrinking, they're now starting to go vertical. And that's part of what Mira Mesa is going to do. 
Um, so this was approved unanimously by the San Diego City Council because, of course, Mira Mesa is part of Sa- San Diego. And it's all part of this plan to make it this Mira Mesa more livable, may, you know, have a, a, a way to solve the housing crisis. Um, and they want to connect it. You know, they, they want to connect the coaster and the, the trolley extension nearby, which if you're going to have that kind of mass transit, that makes sense that you want to integrate um, with it. But still, the environmentalists are not satisfied, of course, um, because they're not taking enough people off the roads. They, they like to see this to be even more aggressive than it is. Now, I, I'm of the opinion that as we get 10, 20, 30 years down the road, we're going to be living a far more clean lifestyle. We're going to have a lot less gasoline-powered cars. We're going to have a lot more electric cars. And I think a lot of the mass transit is going to be greatly electrified. You know, talking previously about our earlier topic about battery storage, I think a lot of this can be powered by solar combined with battery to really drive a great deal of the economy and make things a lot cleaner. Um, So when you look at a snapshot of today where how many of the, what percentage of the cars are EVs? Probably like two or 3%, maybe four um, as we get into the future, those numbers are only going to expand. Now, it, it is kind of interesting to me as well. You know, of course, there's people that are upset. They're upset about more density in Mira Mesa. Um, and that's happening everywhere across our county. As more of these development projects going in, there are more locals that are upset because people don't like change. People don't like more people moving in, more traffic, more congestion, more stress on infrastructure. And we're seeing that in Mira Mesa. And we've, we actually saw quite a bit of that. Remember when they built those high-rise apartment buildings right on the western edge of the 15 freeway north of Mira Mesa Boulevard? I know when those were built, there are a lot of people here in my hometown of Poway that were like, oh, my gosh, what is that? I mean, that's not something we're used to seeing. Um, it's funny, too, that here in my hometown of Poway, there, with all the development that's going on here locally, people are upset that we don't want to be like Mira Mesa. But the funny thing is, is that Mira Mesa is going to become something even different. And they're, they're, they're in a part of a transformation. Now, one other kind of historical footnote on this is that that whole area, that Mira Mesa area, that area east of Del Mar, which is now Carmel Valley, um, Del Sur, Rancho Penasquitos, Forest Ranch, and even parts of Rancho Bernardo, that was never originally part of San Diego, part of the city of San Diego, but it was annexed in 1958. Um, And I remember, you know, well, I didn't remember this part of it, but in the 1970s, I know that they were building a lot of housing in Mira Mesa. It was a car-centric community. But I was a student at UCSD in the 1980s. And, you know, when you lived on campus, it was all good. But then as we got older, we moved off campus. If you were fortunate, and especially if you were fortunate and had a little bit of money, you could move in one of the beach communities in Del Mar or Pacific Beach. But that was always difficult to pull off depending on you know, the, your family situation. So a lot of people moved inland. You know, there were a lot of UCSD students in Claremont in University City, and in some cases, Mira Mesa. So I remember when I was going to uh, UCSD and we would sometimes have friends that lived in Mira Mesa that would host parties at their house. And it seemed like we were driving to Yuma, Arizona when you were leaving La Jolla to go to Mira Mesa back in the 1980s. I mean, back then, Mira Mesa Boulevard, if I recall, was just one lane in each direction. Um, sometimes we would take Miramar Road all the way out to Camino Ruiz and then hang a left and go north. And I remember there was a Noggles out there. Is that still there? Um, and Noggles was kind of like one of the Mexican restaurants. It was, wasn't as good as Roberto's or Alberto's, but it was still a place that UCSD students sometimes would do late night food runs. Um, But Mira Mesa has gone through so many transformations. Then I remember in the late 1980s, by this time I'm out of school and we would drive out, you know, we wanted, I was in a softball league and we used to have games that were at the Canyon side fields in Rancho Penasquitos. But in order to get there, we had to kind of squirrel around across Mira Mesa Boulevard and then kind of head north on Black Mountain. And I remember that was just like a, 
it was like a war zone, the way all the hills and the, the, the mounds of dirt that they were using to carve up the area. And as a car, we were driving our little cars on this two-lane windy road through this development area and then sort of popped out in Penasquitos at the ball field so that we could play softball. But that was all part of that transformation of Mira Mesa. And since then, of course, they've built more. And now um, it's going to be even bigger. So imagine if we had a space needle in San Diego and we got up to look all across our entire county and you project yourself out 20 or 30 years from now, it's very possible that we're going to see high rises, of course, in UTC, potentially high rises in Mira Mesa. We'll see high rises in downtown San Diego. We'll see high rises near the sports arena area. Now, that was just approved. Um, We may see more high rises along the coast as the San Diego Coastal Commission relaxes rules. We may see high rises in Oceanside and other parts of the county. So what are your thoughts and comments on this? If you do, let me know. Type in your thoughts and comments on the live stream on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll see them here. We'll put them on the screen. We'll get you involved in the conversation. Okay, I got one more topic to get to. And, you know, this is kind of the format. I'm going to start to do these San Diego news updates midday like this, at least once a week, hopefully more frequently, kind of as my schedule goes. I'm still kind of experimenting with this. So if you like what I'm doing, give it a thumbs up, leave a comment, you know, tell me what you think. Um, I'm of the opinion there's not enough coverage of local news. I'm of the opinion that uh, newspapers and local communities are largely shrinking, that um, there's a lot less focus on journalism, a lot less focus on local issues. We seem to be completely consumed with national topics, with national politics. um, But at the local level, we lose a little bit of sight of that. So we try to cover a lot of the local uh, news issues, the local political races, the local candidates that are running here and the various communities in San Diego County. So if you like what we're doing, um, you know, you can support it with a thumbs up. You can also go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. And at johnreillyproject.com, you'll see all of our episodes. You know, by the way, this is episode number 303 of the podcast. And you can get, get access to all of that blog articles. You can sign up on our mailing list. You can connect on social media. I invite you to participate. Okay, last topic on the table, and this is Oceanside and more housing issues going on throughout San Diego County. So this is a proposed housing project on the west side of the 5 Freeway, south of Oceanside Boulevard. So it's kind of near the border of Oceanside and Carlsbad. And if you've ever been out there, it's kind of a nice relaxed sort of uh, suburban single family home neighborhood. I mean, I've driven through there a few times and it's a nice place to be, but everything's changing, right? All this transformation going around the county, there is a proposal to build a six story, 146 unit apartment building out there. And people were really angry about this. They didn't like it at all. Uh, The nearby residents, you know, they called this this development, the Breeze Luxury Apartments, they called it hideous and not luxurious at all. It was a ghetto menagerie of of stacked metal boxes. I mean, they were just raking it over the coals. And the Oceanside Planning Commission said, no, we're not going to do this. You know, they're probably getting a lot of heat from the local residents. Um, You know, there was people were calling it big and ugly and it was out of scale with the neighborhood. And then, you know, when the when the people start complaining about new housing, they bring up a lot of other issues, more crime and public health problems. And, you know, it's like chicken little which is what we hear and what we see. And, you know, I understand that there's going to be some objection, but sometimes, you know, people really exaggerate it and try to make a mountain out of a molehill. But the city planning commission recommended not to do it, but the city council voted three to two to overturn the Planning Commission's recommendation. So so that's odd to me when a city council goes against their own planning commission. But on top of it, what's interesting is that many of those city council representatives, in fact, four of the five representatives on the Oceanside City Council were apparently getting campaign dollars from the developer 
that was behind the Breeze Luxury Apartments. And see, this is what we saw in my hometown of Poway as well, you know, where they're, the developers are donating to the council members and the council members, it's kind of a quid pro quo, right? You know, they kind of return the favor. Now, I'm generally, if you can kind of tell from the tone of my argument here, I'm generally supportive of more progress. I'm supportive of more development. We have a housing crisis. We have a, frankly, we have a homelessness crisis, which is a whole other thing, but we need more housing. And if we have more housing, we'll not only be able to meet the needs of people that legitimately need places to live, need places to live near where they work and near their family. But as we build more housing, it's going to relax the pricing of housing because buyers and renters will have a lot more options, a lot more competition. And that's going to dampen prices and maybe even cause prices to go down if more supply is created, like Econ 101. So I'm generally supportive of this. But at the same time, when I see some sort of the shenanigans of of uh, developers kind of, you know, scratching the back of polit- politicians, giving them money and then hoping to get favors in return, now that that's dirty. <laughs> that's that's the ugly um, underbelly of, of local politics. But it happens and it's been happening forever. And it doesn't happen just in Oceanside. It happens throughout San Diego County. It happens all across America. But that's the reality of what's going on out there. So the other interesting part of this story is that the housing that is being proposed is very high density. Now, I I couldn't figure out what the square footage of these apartments are, are, but they're going to be really small apartments. And on one level, that sounds pretty crazy, right? You know, it's almost like little studios. But think about this. I mean, as we as this housing crisis needs to be addressed, I mean, we've got to create more physical units. That's why these apartment buildings need to have more density, more units to provide more roofs over people's heads. And they were able to expand the density and make it even denser because part of the plan was to put in 15 affordable housing units in that complex, which is part of the game that they play, right? Um so, again, I don't know how the affordable housing part of this is going to be handled. I mean, we've seen some kind of funky sort of corrupt things that go on with how developers manage what is affordable and how they make it affordable and really what the definition of affordable really is. But that's all part of the of the deal here, too. So that's going on in Oceanside. Okay, so we're at 37 minutes, um, and that's what these news updates are going to be. It's going to be like four or five topics, things that are going on in and around San Diego in various cities, various communities that I find interesting, that I want to share with you and leave with you my own thoughts and comments. And I invite you to participate in the live stream and get involved because there's always an opportunity to get involved. And we already got one gentleman that has jumped in, and it's our good friend Yuri Bolin saying Sacramento and Governor Newsom, it's a recurring theme. Well, you know, I'd say, Yuri, I say generally speaking, you are right. Um, generally speaking, um, d- Democrats particularly, for the longest time in California, have been very resistant to development. You hear the arguments that, oh, the developers are just in it for the profit. They just want to build it and cut and run. They're just in it for the money. They don't care. Well, as a result of that, they've dramatically slowed down construction of housing, particularly since the Great Recession, because there was shockwaves throughout the whole housing marketplace. But really, even going back further, 20, 30 years, they've never been building enough to keep up with the population growth in the state of California. I mean, we've got not only um, you know families growing in California, we've got people moving into California, particularly immigrants coming into California from all over the world. And at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of economic opportunity in America. And you have people, while there are some people leaving America, there are also a lot of people coming to, excuse me, while there are people leaving California, there are also people coming to California because of the tremendous economic opportunity and the fantastic um, quality of life, you know, weather, recreational opportunities, um, culture, diversity, all the things that come with California that we like. 
Now, granted, there's a, there's a downside to a lot of that as well. For the longest time, the Democrats, and particularly the Democrats in Sacramento, have been resistant to development. Um, but now Democrats are starting to jokingly refer to themselves as a Yimbies. Yes, in my backyard. To me, this is refreshing. So what is definitely happening in, in Sacramento is that they're they're loosening up the rules to allow more development. In some cases, preventing local municipalities from having their own housing or zoning rules. I mean, that's why we're seeing in a lot of cases, single family home lots are being able to be transformed into duplexes or four unit apartment buildings on a parcel on a lot that traditionally only had a one story single family home. A lot of these rules are radically unchanged. Now, is Newsom dictating to Oceanside, you must build this many units and and this many units need to be built in Poway or Escondido? I don't know about that. Maybe he is. I have no idea how that's shaking out. But there is a radical transformation going on with housing throughout the state of California. And What's the what's the median home price in San Diego? I mean, it was as high as nine hundred thousand a few months ago. It's been in decline for the last three or so months as mortgage rates are going up. But housing is hella expensive. You know, rentals for apartments are crazy expensive. Not only does this make it hard for people just to live here and have a reasonable quality of life, it makes it hard for businesses to grow because you can't recruit employees if they have to commute 30 miles to go to work or more than 30. We've talked about that. We know people that have commuted from Ramona to Rancho Bernardo, from Murrieta to Poway, from Murrieta or Lake Elsinore all the way up into Irvine because that's where they live because that's the only affordable place where they can live. I mean, that's just unworkable as we grow our economy. There has to be a way to address this. In my opinion, building more is the way to do it. Um, And so, yeah, in Sacramento, they are loosening those rules. I think that's a welcome change from the Democrats. What do you think? You know, let me know in your thoughts and comments. So anyways, back to to the John Riley Project. You know, this is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, We will continue to... um, Let me just kind of get my screens here organized. We will continue to... Have our long-form interviews. If you haven't checked out the Ted Leitner interview from Tuesday night, oh, my God, it was great. Um, And we did the live stream on Tuesday. I'm going to be splitting that up into segments for you to digest and enjoy. Um, We'll continue to do the long-form interviews and and deep dives on particular topics in the evenings. I'm going to try to do more of these short-form news updates periodically throughout the week. I'm trying to kind of find a rhythm of a schedule that works for me and works for the audience. Uh, We'll see how this goes. Uh, But this is all part of my grand experiment. And if you like what we're doing, you know, give it a thumbs up, you know, tell me what you think. And that will maybe encourage me or discourage me. We'll see how this goes. By the way, if you like what we're doing, you want to support the project, you want to support more local content here in the San Diego community, you can be a monthly contributor. Just go to John Riley Project. There's a donation page. You can leave a donation, be a supporter, and we would really appreciate any support and and financial assistance you can offer. Of course, it's totally voluntary. It's all about free trade. I provide value to you. And if you like what you're seeing, you can provide value back in this direction. Okay, we got one more final comment here on the live stream, and uh, we'll get this one in, and I think we'll just wrap up this bad boy for today. And it looks like it's another one from Yuri Bolin. You know, Yuri, by the way, the former mayoral candidate in Sandy, excuse me, in Poway. And he says, yes, each municipality has a quota. Poway is no different, 1,319 to possibly as high as 1618. 1,618. Are those new housing units? Is that what the proposal is? Yeah, I know know there's a lot of detail in this, and there's people that talk a lot about housing elements and all the plans that cities have to do for housing. Uh, I'll take you at your word, Yuri. I, I don't really know all that detail. I do know that they're encouraging more development. I mean, gosh, you, have you been down the 15 freeway um, right across from Carmel uh, Mountain Road? Oh, my God, the whole Double Tree golf course is being transformed. 
there's been multiple major development projects that are going on up and down the west side of the 15 freeway in Penasquitos. That Merge 56 project, kind of halfway between the 15 and the 5, um, that's a huge development that's going in. I mean, it's everywhere. It's San Diego County is going through a radical transformation, and a lot of people are really struggling with it. Um, Yuri Boland goes on to say, yeah, by 2030. So uh, for Poway from 1319 to as high as 1618 by 2030. So that's a lot. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of that on Poway Road. We're going to see some of that at the farm in Poway. Um, There's a lot of other smaller developments that are getting started around the city. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's you know, it's it's all part of this transformation. Here's Pete Neald on the live stream. He says, the impact on the communities that people bought into is changing into what they moved from. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've talked about that, Pete. You know, you lived in Pacific Beach and a well, pretty high density area, but didn't dig the overcast, the lack of sun. You moved inland. I think if I recall, you moved to Kearney Mesa. That got a lot more dense and you wanted to move out to the city and the country. You know, easy living in Poway, had a lot of open space. And that was how long ago, Pete? 40 years ago? Something like that. Uh, the world's changing. In fact, uh, Pete Neal um, shared a video on YouTube or was it on Facebook or both that showed the transformation of this Poway, Scripps, Rancho Bernardo area from 1980 all the way up to the year 2022. And it was a satellite picture, and you could see the development and the changes that are going on. I mean, the population in San Diego County since 1980 has gone up at least 50%. I mean, it's gone up a ton. So uh, it's going to affect every nook and cranny of this county. And as they continue to build, you know, you can only go so far east before you hit the hills and the mountains. And sure, there's flat land on the other side in the desert, but most likely environmentalists are going to cling on to as much of that open space as they can. And that's going to require areas that are zoned for housing to now start to go vertical, to turn single family homes into duplexes and fourplexes, to build more apartment buildings and condos where there used to be single family homes, to transform commercial areas like these giant strip malls in Mira Mesa into more mixed-use commercial residential, more high-density, less of those what we call strodes, that Frankenstein mixture of streets and roads that are very pedestrian unfriendly, like what we see in in, uh, Mira Mesa, and transforming them into something that is a lot more dare I say, European, that I think a lot of folks here in America, that would probably get their hair to stand up on the back of their neck. That's where this is going, you know, and trying to stop it, trying to hit the pause button on your community and trying to keep it the way it was in 1972 is going to be impossible. People are going to get steamrolled. Uh, Pete Neal on the live stream commenting further. Video was on Facebook in South and North Poway Boats. Yeah, that's where I saw it, Pete. That was a cool video. And we saw the transformation of the city of Poway. We even saw the transformation of Lake San Vicente, the reservoir that's out just north of Lakeside. And over the years, you could see that time lapse going from year to year. And Lake San Vicente got a little fuller and got a little lower, depending on the drought or the rain. And then we got into the 2000s, and they radically expanded or extended the, the, the height of the dam. And then that reservoir greatly increased in quantity. And that was cool. That's all part of this really, this revolution going on with our water infrastructure. You know, they're expanding dams in San Diego County. They're, they are transforming ocean salt water into drinkable drinking water, fresh drinking water with the set desal plant up in Carlsbad. And there's this whole clean water initiative that's transforming wastewater into water that is cleaner than the water we get from the Colorado River. Water that is cleaner that was previously wastewater. And that I'm putting the, the politically correct nice term to that. It's toilet to tap. And the technology is so awesome 
that the end result of this is cleaner than the, the water that we're already getting out of our tap today. That's awesome. That's how this whole, that's how human civilization is going to progress. Technology is going to help resolve a lot of these environmental concerns. Technology is going to help us recycle or quote unquote manufacture water. I think this is awesome. I think this is great. It's how mankind is transforming nature to meet the needs of the humans, to to have a sustainable lifestyle in an arid region of San Diego, which frankly is America's finest city. I think it's great. But the city of San Diego is changing. The county of San Diego is changing all throughout the county from Oceanside to Imperial Beach, out to El Cajon, Lakeside, Escondido, Poway, and even within the city of San Diego in Mira Mesa, in, in Sports Arena, in the Merge 56 area in Penasquitos, um, all over San Diego. Huge changes going on. Pete Neal on the live stream says, the tool for that video is from Google Earth Engine. I encourage all people to take a look at what we have progressed from. Yeah. Come a long way, baby. Long way. And in so many ways, I think it's really cool. Okay. Let's wrap this up. These short news updates are intended to be about a half an hour. And we're at 50 minutes. You know how it goes. But thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate um, all the participation from the live stream audience. These podcasts are going to be roughly once a week, maybe more frequently. I mean, if I had unlimited time and money, I do these every day um, and cover some of the local topics, uh, give, you know, kind of explore them, share my thoughts and comments and invite your thoughts and comments in the community forum. So um, until then, thanks again for joining me. This is the John Riley Project. This is episode number 303. Have a great weekend, friends. And if you're interested in sports, check out my podcast I do with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, all about sports all across America, worldwide sports, and focused here on the local teams as well. That's LeeHacksawHamilton.com. We'll see you later, friends. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog, or get more information, please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.